Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. I pray you open eyes today, illuminate hearts. Do what only you can do, Father, and we'll give you all the glory for all we learned today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just go a few verses down if you have your Bible open to Matthew 6 and verse 25, and we're going to kind of ease into our focus today. And Jesus is speaking, and he said this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now, this was the passage I read back in 1985, right before, the, the night before, actually, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I knew the decision that I was about to, to, to make uh, was not only going to change my eternity, but some, sometime, somehow instinctively, I just knew deep down in my heart that this was going to somehow impact and mark my life forever. So uh, I, I, was, I, I was worried. I, I was apprehensive. I was, I was thinking, you know what, Lord, I don't, I don't know that I have a temperament for this. I don't know that I have a personality, the discipline, or the courage to live like a, a, a real Christian. And the truth is, I was absolutely right. I did not naturally have the ability. It takes God's supernatural ability and grace to help you live this thing out. The problem was, I did not understand that, that God doesn't use perfect people, only forgiven people. And this is exactly what Jesus uh, uh, does here. Verse 25, he said, therefore, I say to you, do not, don't worry about your life. Well, I was 20 years old, just, just, just a young man, um, didn't really know anything uh, about God. I, I had memorized John 3.16 as a kid, but, but I didn't know the Lord. I, I knew very little uh, about the Bible and church, et cetera. At that time, I worked in a civil rights organization. I, I was uh, majoring in, in business. And, uh, you know, I, I really loved the social sciences because I really loved people. But I was re- also very, very practical. So I, I wanted to, to go into business. And I think secretly underneath it all, I eventually wanted to to go into uh, politics. But on the inside, I had this nagging feeling, just, just nagging. I can't quite explain it. And at this point in my, my life, I, I had no scriptures to think on. And it was just these, these kind of these feelings on, on, on the inside. I, I just felt that, you know, uh, God out there in the universe somewhere had, 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 had a different plan. And, and here's the deal. You know how you make God chuckle? Show him your plans. Your, your devised plan, your, your flesh-driven plan. Show God your plans, and you're going to give him a, a great laugh. He said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? So you got to remember, I'm 20 years old reading these Words. In fact, that night I said I was going to read through all four Gospels, but I got stuck on chapter 6 here. And when I read these words, the answer was absolutely no. Lord, all I'm concerned about is eating and drinking my body and what I wear. God, what, what, what type of question is this? But Jesus continues and he leans in again. Remember, remember he's talking to a 20-year-old and, and I'm being honest with the scriptures. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with them. And then Jesus continues. He says, look at 
the birds of the air. And I'm thinking in, in, in my mind, and you know, I was sarc- very sarcastic at this point uh, in my life. And, and the only birds I saw in DC were pigeons. And, and I was thinking, you know, some days, Lord, I'm, I'm like a pigeon. Other days I'm like a, a statue. Where are you going, Lord, with this illustration? And, and this is why, by the way, I, I'm so amazed that God has chose to use me at Oh, I think I'm a great testament to, to God's great patience. And I, you probably have the same feeling sometimes. For they neither sow nor reap. They cannot farm nor gather into barns. They can't take hammer and nails and, and build a place for storage. The birds can't do that. Yet your heavenly father feeds them despite their small brains and their little power, God has helped them survive for eons and their birds still existing all around the globe. And then he says this, and this is, this is, this was the big point that he was trying to make to me. And I'm trying to make to you, are you not of more value than they? The only reason that I was nervous was because I didn't know my value yet. You know, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for him for, for us all, how will he not uh, with him also freely give us all things? His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. Are you not of more value than they? And he was saying, Derek, I've been taking care of birds. I, 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 I take care of all, cre- I've been doing it for a long time. Can I not take care of? Of you, And he said, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit 18 inches to his stature? What can worry do to, uh, about changing your height? What, what, what can it do about changing your, your, your age? What can it do about changing any of your physical conditions? Worry doesn't move uh, tomorrow's trouble. All it does is rob you of today's joy. That's all worry does. So why do you worry about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field. Now, at least pigeons had a beaten heart. So, you know, his concern for, for a warm-blooded animal made a little bit more sense. But, but here we're seeing that, that, that God even cares for lesser life, for, for, for buttercups, dandelions, and, and daisies, flowers, things that are here one day and, and not the next. And in the worst of time, God still makes the flowers bloom. And God is saying, man, I have superintended all this stuff. And every time you enjoy any beauty in your situation, even tough times, you win. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon had embroidered robes. It was, it was embroidered with gold often and, and it, was, it was made of silk and, and, and purple. That was actually a, a, a dye that was put into a, a fabric. Very, very expensive uh, dye. He had the world's greatest seamstresses working on, on, on his clothing, but they could not touch the beauty of a simple rose. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field as fragile and weak as it is, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. And by the way, they didn't have a lot of wood in the Middle East, you know, not a lot of trees. It wasn't like the USA uh, where we have trees everywhere. This is, you know, uh, desert areas. So often what the poor would do is, is they came up with this contraption and it was used all over the Middle East where they would put pine cones, they would use 
uh, grass. They would use flowers. And basically what they would do is, is stick the bread on the side of these uh, earthen uh, uh, vessels and they would bake their, their bread. And this is the way most people cooked at this, this, this time. He said, you know, one day, you know, the, the, the flour is there. The next day it's thrown into the oven. Uh, how much more will he clothe you, if God makes such temporary things beautiful, why do you think, or what do you think he will do with your immortal soul? I mean, if God cares about things here one day gone, then how about someone who's going to live in his presence or live in a eternity, whether with God or without God forever? And then he says this, oh, you of little faith. Now, people with no faith, we know, do not believe in God. But people with little faith believe in a God with little power. And this is what he's dealing with. And I'm not sure what is more insulting to God, not believing he exists or believing he is, exists, but has little power to deal with our lives and handle our needs. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, a little faith may bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. And that's what we are, are reaching for. He said, therefore, do not worry. Don't do it. Stop doing it. Do not worry. This was his big message to me the night before I finally surrendered. Boy, I got a lot for you to do in your life. And let me tell you something. If you're going to worry about it all the time, you're going to have a very difficult next 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Therefore, do not worry. God is saying to you, he has plans for you. He has a future for you. And if you're going to worry about every detail all the time, you are not going to have a full and successful life. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Watch this. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He's saying Gentiles were people without a covenant with God. He was saying people that don't know God, people that, 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 that don't have a blood covenant with the Almighty, they're stressing about these things. They're worrying about these things. They're cutting, killing, and, and stabbing to try to get ahead. This is the way they operate. This is what the Gentiles do. And this was a rebuke to every Jewish or, or covenant listener. And what he was saying is, Frederick, God is not dead. There is a bomb in Gilead. Jehovah still has a gyra. And God wants us to continue to have a capital G on his name or in his name written in our heart. He's a capital G God. He's a big God. He can provide. Before we were created, he saw all the needs of the universe and knew that he had more than enough to meet every single need that would ever occur. For your heavenly father knows, knows, he doesn't have to think about it. He's not puzzled by it. He knows that you need all these what? Things. God, again, is not surprised by any of our needs. Before you were born, every need that we had, he placed on Jesus or provided for Jesus at the cross. But here's the deal. The next verse is important. But in order to receive, you must do one thing. Now watch the... The, 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 we can almost call it a condition here. But seek first. Not one and a quarter, not one and a half, not one and three quarters, not second, not third, not fourth. But seek first the kingdom. 
This may baffle you, but according to Scripture, there are things God cannot do. God can only do, God will only do things that are consistent with his nature. So let's look at some of the things God can do. Number one, God cannot change. Theologians call this God's immutability. He's immutable. He cannot change. If God changed, that would mean that either he progressed or, or somehow he, he, he declined. God is flawless and he cannot improve. If any, if he changed in any way, since he's already at the height, it would only lessen him because he's already as high and as perfect and, and as exalted as one could ever, ever be. So number one, God cannot change. Number two, God cannot think about it. God cannot think about it. He just knows. Theologians call this God's omniscience, God's omniscience. He is fully aware of all things at all times. Nothing ever kind of just kind of occurs to God. One day, you know, he's walking around heaven. Oh, you know what? Uh, Jimmy down there or, 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 or Rashid down there. Uh, nothing ever just occurs to God. God knows everything all at one time always. Number three, God cannot lie. Uh, we call this simple uh, holiness. God is holy. Now we lie because we're afraid of, of consequences typically. Sometimes we lie because we want to manipulate. But let me, let me tell you something. If God was a manipulator, everyone on the earth would be saved. But God is not a manipulator. He says, whosoever will come. But if you don't want it, God will let you not come. The Bible says God cannot what lie. So again, if we lie mainly because of fear, tell me who is it that God's afraid of? Why would God lie to you? I mean, is he afraid that you have a heaven and hell to put him in? I mean, why would God? It's amazing for us to think that God might lie to who do we think we are? That God would lie to us. Number four, God cannot be second. Theologians call this God's preeminence, God's preeminence. If he was second, by definition, he is not God. God is the first. He is the first cause. He's the one that made everything that happened, happen. That is the definition of God. But seek first the kingdom. When you get first things right, everything else in your life follows. But if you take care of God or the things of God and after you've, you, you do everything else, God is no longer first. And what happens is in our lives, you know, we, we, we get hurt in life. So we say, you know, Lord, because of the hurt, I won't follow you. But if God was first and that thing was second, that thing would never block you from your relationship with God. You say, well, I was disappointed by some church people. I was disappointed by, by, by something that happened to me when I was three years old. The, the, the problem is if God was first, that thing would be second, and that thing wouldn't loom so large in your life. And part of how do you get healed from the things that have gone wrong in your life is by putting him first, and then everything else, bad things, good things, all things work together for the good, those that, that, that love God and that are called according to his purposes. All those things he will work out if you will put him first. I know early on, I was like, well, Lord, first handle this, first let's do that. And then maybe, you know, I'll answer the call. It's like, no, dude, you need to learn. I'm number one. I am first. And if you're going to follow me into my service, you got to recognize my voice and put me absolutely first. And everything else is a very, very distant second. Proverbs 3 and 9 says this, honor the Lord with your possessions, not just with your song, not just with the motivations of your heart, but with your literal possessions. And everyone possesses something. And with the what? 
first fruits. Guess what first means in Hebrew? First. And with the first fruit of all, not just some, but all your increase. The only way to honor God's preeminence, the only way to honor God's firstness is to put him first. So many of us, again, we give God our leftovers and wonder why it's not working until you put him first. Say, well, Lord, you know what? I'll worship you again when I get a man. I'll worship you again when, when you meet my needs. He said, no, no, worship me first and let me take care of all those other things. He said, honor the Lord with your possessions. This is what we got to learn to do. And with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The secret to prosperity is simple. I'm talking about true prosperity. And true prosperity is simply us keeping our priorities in line, keeping our priorities in order. When you put God first, everything else follows. Let's go back to Matthew 6 and 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not our own self-righteousness. You're not saying, well, you know, Lord, I'm better than my neighbor. And because of that, you ought to do X, Y, and Z. Lord, I did six or seven things. And Lord, because I did those things, I, I merit your, 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 your involvement in my faith. No, 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 no. We seek his righteousness. Lord, you know what? I'm unworthy. Lord, I have failed in every way. But Jesus Christ, the righteous Lamb of God, died in my place, became my substitute, and his righteousness is imputed on me. Now I am a son of God. I am robed in his righteousness. So I want to tell you a little story that helps sum this up. Uh, th there was a shepherd that uh, uh, had a, a sheep, and one of her lambs died. But then he also had a lamb where uh, his mother died. And uh, the problem was you have this little lamb and he needs to drink so uh, milk from, from the mother in order to survive. So what the shepherd decided to do is he took the wool that was on the dead lamb and, because it had the, the sheep's, the, the lamb's smell, and put that wool on top of the, the lamb that had lost uh, his mother and the sheep allowed the lamb to drink at her breast because she smelled her own. We've been robed in Christ's righteousness, not my own. When I go before God trusting him, he smells Jesus. When I speak by the Spirit, uh, calling God to intervene on, in our affairs and, and in this world, he hears Jesus. We are robed in his righteousness. He says, seek first the kingdom and watch this, and his righteousness, he's speaking of him, his, himself in the third person, and all these things shall be added to you, all the things the Gentiles seek, everything you want, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, all of those things would be added if you would just put first things first. By the way, let me pause again for a second. Did it say things? Yes, it said things, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. God can handle not only the spiritual, but also the material. But there's a final thing that God cannot do that I have not mentioned yet. And it's number five. God cannot be pleased without faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible 
not possible, can't do it. It's impossible to please God. And this Sunday, I want each of us to step out in faith and put a smile on God's faith, face as we care about the, the needs in our community and begin to, to build a house for the Lord. And Jesus wraps up at verse 34. Therefore, do not worry. Stop doing it, Derek. Do not worry. Stop doing it. Quit it. Cut it out. It doesn't help anything. Do not. This is as strong a commandment as, as, as thou shall not kill. Uh, do not commit adultery. It says, do not what? Worry about tomorrow. I know we're in COVID. I know we don't know what's going to happen next. But what can we change by worry? The Bible says, you know, what we're to do is, is, is through prayer and, and supplication with thanksgiving, present our, our requests unto God. And what we must do, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God. So in this season, every time you want to worry, we need to reach out and pray and say, God, your word says... God, you are bigger than this disease. God, you are bigger than this economy. I know what the environment says. I know what the job outlook looks like. I, I know that people are waiting in line to get jobs in this season. But, but he who, 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 whose eye is on the sparrow watches over me. You got to trust him. You got to step out in faith in this season. What is faith for except for times like these? He said, all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Things change so fast. I mean, you know, we, we just had a different administration in and, and it, it just everything just, 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 just changed. Before that, there was another uh, administration. You know, what we're worried about happening to, to tomorrow may not even be there tomorrow. In fact, the, the things I, I, I was worried about, the people I was worried about pleasing when I was 20 years old, they're not even around anymore. Many of them are not even alive anymore. How quickly things change. And not only do things change, we change. Our perspective changes and things that I would have died and killed for, you know, at, at 20. Now I don't even care about. And, and, you know, tomorrow will take care of itself. He's saying, Derek, all I'm concerned about is Today And all I want you to be concerned about, forgive me, is today. He says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So God will help you with your daily troubles. But God will not only always fix 20 years from now in the next five minutes. You're going to have to take it one day at a time. And many of us say, we, we say, you know, Lord, I'll get serious about you tomorrow. Father, I, I will give to you tomorrow. Father, I, I will surrender to you tomorrow. I, I will find out what your word says tomorrow. I will go back to church tomorrow. But I want to tell you something this morning. Tomorrow is not promise. Look at all the lives of those Many we thought would be here almost forever. They seemed invincible, but they're no longer with us. Tomorrow is not promised. You must make your choice today. Make your choice to say, Lord, I'm going to put you first. I want to give you the rest of my life. 
Father, right now I surrender. I yield. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be angry. Lord, I cast my care on you for you care for me. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.